Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man, where we like to talk about movies, sports, whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. All right, and today we're going to be talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off some more. Uh, last we left off, we had met one of the most beautiful cars in the world, and Ferris Bueller was attempting to convince his friend Cameron that they should take it for a test drive. Boom, boom. Oh, yeah. Boom, boom. I want to say I mentioned that this was the first time in the movie that played, and I think it was. Yes. Uh, but this gets played several times in the movie, as well as Twix commercials. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout the 80s. <laughs> it's yet another thing from this movie that becomes iconic. Yes. Yet another thing. like that. That's just this movie. Just so many, so many iconic things. Where we left off was basically the end of this conversation where Cameron's like, no, i got to put my foot down. As he's like saying, no, no. Ferris Bueller's driving it out of the garage. Cameron's walking behind her going, well, how about we rent a, a car? My treat. A nice Cadillac. <laughs> yeah, because the problem is they don't think they can pick up Ferris Bueller's girlfriend in Cameron's crappy car. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if I remember right, was like a still like a BMW or something. It didn't seem that bad. It seemed like an 80, a standard 80s car. <laughs> yeah. Ferris Bueller drives it out of you, then backs it up and he's like, come on! And Cameron breaks down and does the sign of the cross on him and gets in the car. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> the standard, oh god, please help me. <laughs> so yeah, they jump in the car and they drive off. I don't really remember any scene of them driving. I just remember cutting to the school. Yep. It's just them coming to the school. Ed Rooney is walking out with Sloan and making just awkward conversations somewhere between an apology <laughs> and like, you know, I had a grandmother once too. <laughs> yeah. No, and then he gives effectively, he gives something akin to a eulogy about how everybody dies and there's really only a couple ways of looking at life and <laughs> you have to... Even better than that is like, you know, he starts reading off poetry and you're not sure if he's like just trying to console her or hit on her. Or, it's just really awkward no matter how you do it. Yeah, it very much feels like the director was like, okay, it was pretty good, that take, but I need I need you to do it more awkward. <laughs> I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a line from a future filmmaker, George Lucas. <laughs> I want you to make this scene more awkward. <laughs> yeah, very awkward. And then the next little bit's also slightly awkward. <laughs> What you see is the school bus go by, and as it passes, the Ferrari ends up behind it on the other side, like a curtain reveal. And there's what is obviously Ferris Bueller in a hat and a trench coat. And glasses. He had glasses, too. Sloan walks up to him. I guess she realized earlier what was going on. Oh, she knew right away. And, of course, Ferris Bueller doing his best, like Cameron did, like a British accent. Oh, Sloan, dear, come along. (laughs) So then Sloan puts on, like, her best act of, oh, thank you for your kind words, Mr. Rooney. Says you're a beautiful man. <laughs> yeah, you're a beautiful man. That was the part. Because that whole conversation was like just ridiculous. <laughs> like who says that out loud? <laughs> Unless you're literally at a funeral. <laughs> and of course, while this is happening, Jeannie is watching. Jeannie Bueller, played by Jennifer Gray, is watching this whole thing, going, "Oh man." <laughs> yeah. Like I can't believe he's getting away with this. And then as Sloan walks up to Ferris, he's like, oh, do you have a kiss a kiss for daddy? And, and so they have this really long 
passionate kiss right in front of Ed Rooney. And Ed Rooney's like, hmm, so it's like that in their family, is it? <laughs> yeah, you're just like, what? For me, this was the only kind of like semi-problematic. <laughs> there were two scenes in this movie where I had to push the I believe button really hard. <laughs> it was this scene and later on with the parade. But this scene, it's just like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, how did you not just give everything away right there? <laughs> What person's gonna be like? Oh, oh, that's that's definitely the father. <laughs> <laughs> so then Sloan gets in the car and she looks into the to the back seat, which is covered, and she's like, "Hey, Cameron, how's it going?" And he's like, "Fine." So you find out that you know Cameron just hid underneath a cover in the back seat. <laughs> yep, that makes sense. And she asked if he was doing okay. He's like, "No," because <laughs> <laughs> because you know car. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ferris Bueller gets in the car and she goes, "What are we gonna do?" It's like, "What are we not?" going to do <laughs> and Karen's like don't say we're not returning the card <laughs> so at this point that Ferris Bueller breaks the fourth wall again and says if you had access to a car like this would you take it back right away <laughs> and he's like neither would I yeah the answer would be no so our audience is aware I would not <laughs> I would have some fun with that car that's me even though it's a replica if it was the real car I mean, granted, the clutch wouldn't last a day, but it would be a lot of fun. <laughs> What's funny is I'm noticing this now. The license plate says nervous. N-R-V-O-U-S. Right. I mean, it's, it's a characterization for Cameron, right? Exactly, because it's his dad. So I, I just noticed it. That's pretty good. Yeah. This is something I don't think we maybe we talked about when they were doing all the phone tag with when Ferris was trying to fake out the... Ed Rooney about Sloan's dad or grandma dying, but when Ed Rooney called the mortuary and there's another fake recording it's just like it just the, the length that he's going to to plan this stuff out just gets keep keeps getting deeper and deeper. <laughs> <laughs> more and more ridiculous <laughs> so basically it's kind of just a panoramic view of chicago just a flyover and a fly through and seeing the skyline and whatnot and the cityscape then it's a shot of the three of them cameron sloan ferris driving along and ferris is you know being goofy and whatnot cameron is being cameron you're going don't be goofy you know hands on the wheel man hands on the wheel yeah <laughs> both hands i think this gives a good perspective of chicago so that's one of the things you know i did a lot of traveling last year not last year, the year before last, obviously. Um, <laughs> in 2018, 2019. And um, Chicago is just very big. Yeah. I don't know how else to put it. Like, it's not just like, okay, it's a large city, right? The most scenic parts, though, of Chicago are, like, really centralized. As a truck driver and having driven around Chicago more times than I can count, I can tell you that along the interstates around it, it looks nothing like what you're seeing here. It is very industrial, and I'll put that in air quotes, industrial. Yeah. In Chicago around the interstate. Yeah, when you get closer to the city center, yeah, it's very big and very nice looking. But it just it just has a big feel about it. Like, you know, even New York, I didn't feel that way. Like New York is big, but it's big in kind of like and I'm talking about New York City. It's big in like an oppressive way. Mm-hmm. Like it's big, but also really small. Not even just the boroughs, but each piece of New York City has its own like nationality and, and its own like, you know, these people live here and everybody else is an outsider kind of thing. Where Chicago just has this like the whole city is just big, but it makes you feel like you're part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just the feel I had going to Chicago versus like, say, New York or, you know, where I'm from, Dallas. DFW is one of the largest metroplexes in the world, but it's big from a sprawls perspective. Like it just 
keeps going. Same thing with Houston. It just keeps going. <laughs> like, like it's exasperatingly big. <laughs> we uh, are transported immediately back to the high school. We see a kid holding a Pepsi can and people throwing coins in it. A kid holding the cans like, say Ferris. God loves you, say Ferris. You know, so he's getting a collection for Ferris Bueller because, you know, everyone thinks that Ferris Bueller is like deathly ill. As the ball is picking up speed rolling downhill, now we have kids going around trying to collect money <laughs> for, for Ferris's kidney replacement or whatever it is <laughs> that they think he's got. You know, just the continuation of this, there's not just the uh, movie in a bubble, but there's an outside <laughs> world where stuff is going on. And one of the people that he ends up walking up to is Jeannie Bueller. <laughs> and he goes like, yeah. you know, say, uh, help donate to save Ferris Bueller. She's like, what? He's <laughs> like, yeah, trying to help him buy a new kidney. She's, she tells him off and punches the can out of his hand and walk, starts to walk away and he's like if, what if some, something happens to you you need a, a favor from Ferris Bueller <laughs> not knowing who she is <laughs> yep I love that line and for me this is really where Jeannie's storyline kind of starts like I know it, it really starts back in almost the first scene where she comes into his bedroom and she's complaining about the fact that he's going to get out of school but she never would but for me, this is kind of where, like, her storyline sort of kicks off. Because, you know, Ferris Bueller isn't even in the scene anymore, right? This is her interacting with the outside world. Right. Like I said before, this is a movie about relationships. And so this is sort of Jeannie's relationship with Ferris, as well as her parents. And we get to see this kind of play out over the course of her storyline. And this is sort of the beginning of that. Her, her calling bullshit from the fact that people are collecting money for her brother, who she knows is faking. <laughs> So then we're transported to um, Dean Ed Rooney's office where he's calling the, the Peterson house again to see if he can catch, you know, Ferris Bueller and Sloan in a, in a lie. And Grace tells him, watch your mouth this time. <laughs> oh, so good. Grace is so good. She's such a good character. <laughs> <laughs> and so it plays to another recording on Nancy machine. We can't come to the phone right now because we've had a death in the family. It's in Sloan's voice and crying. And Ed Rooney's not buying it. He's like, I know Ferris Bueller's behind it. And now he's gotten, you know, Sloan Peterson involved. <laughs> and Grace, again, with a great liner, uh, says, yeah, and her grandmother, too. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he call her like a nitwit or something at this point? <laughs> pinhead. <laughs> a pinhead, that's right. <laughs> and her grandmother, too. <laughs> Such a great line. Such just a two great lines. Is the inner grandmother too, and then the pinhead. <laughs> and then Ed Rooney says something so this is such an old man thing. He's like, I didn't get into a position like this by letting some punk kid leave my cheese in the wind. I don't even know what that expression is supposed to mean. Yeah. <laughs> in the phone message, they left a phone number for a mortuary. So they call the number, and of course it goes to Cameron's voice machine, you know, with pre-recorded message and of course you know ed rooney's still not buying he's like i'm gonna catch this kid oh yeah yeah that's right and put a dent in in his life 15 years from now he's gonna look back on the ruin of his life and see that i was there at the start of it and it's like that you're just like so that's a good attitude to have for a school administrator <laughs> yeah yeah it's like is that is that really your purpose ruining punk kids i mean i understand it Punk kids can be bastards, but <laughs> you know, as a school administrator, don't you think you should be, you know, helping kids? <laughs> yeah. So everything he's done so far, not that far fetched, right? 
All he's doing is trying to make phone calls and following up. And he thinks something's fishing, fishy is going on. <laughs> and, and yeah, he's going a little overboard with some of this stuff, but it's not, not ultra far fetched. Right. But you can start seeing it to start unravel. <laughs> yeah. From here on out, it's kind of insane where he decides to go with this. <laughs> So after he says he's going to nail Ferris Bueller for this, we're transported back to Chicago. Ferris Bueller and the gang are pulling into a garage and looks like they're looking for someplace to park. And Cameron, of course, is like, no, no, no way, man. This place looks shady. No way. (laughs) Okay. So let me go on a tirade here. (laughs) Like I said before, I traveled quite a bit in 2018, 2019, right? I've been to a lot of cities. I've parked in a lot of cities. I've been forced to pay parking in a lot of cities. And let me tell you, they're all terrible. Like I always throw a fit. I got to stay in a hotel and park in the hotel. And it's always like 20 bucks a day or just something that makes me want to punch somebody in the face. Because <laughs> I've grown up, you know, outside of a city where parking, I didn't have to pay for parking, right? It's just, you know, something stores give to people because they want them to come shopping. Uh-huh. Whereas, you know, cities are like, oh, yeah, space is at a premium. So if you bring a car in here, you've got to pay for it. There is nowhere in the world that I've ever been, well, nowhere in the U.S. at least, that I've ever been that cost parking-wise as much as Chicago costs. <laughs> One, I, I think the standard rate for like an hour, an hour was $20. Wow. If you stayed a whole day, you were looking at upwards of like 80 to 80 to 100 bucks a day to park in Chicago. What the hell? <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I just... What? What? <laughs> like, like I, I remember Simon thinking, you know, I, I rack up some pretty, you know, decent uh, uh, bills on some of my uh, travels for my company and everything. But this, I had a little bit of trepidation. Like, I don't know if I'm going to get this expense report, <laughs> like, approved. Because, you know, the parking, like, this is going to eclipse, like, my dinner and possibly also my hotel room <laughs> is just parking. <laughs> I think it blows my mind. So, like, yeah, that scene in the parking that brought all that back. I was like, oh, yeah, parking in Chicago. What the hell? <laughs> so just so our, our listeners know, ridiculous. <laughs> So, yeah, and of course, the camera's like, yeah, just just no way, no way. And then so you see this, <laughs> he's clearly a shady looking guy you know, you know, that works there. You know, he's like in coveralls. Uh, he's like punching in. And, and it's so funny. It's like, this is 1980 and people are still asking this, you know, like, do you speak English? And the guy's like, well, what country do you think this is? <laughs> That's the first thing he asks. It's like, do you speak English? I'm like, wow. <laughs> in Chicago, you're like, you wouldn't really think that that would be necessary. <laughs> yeah, this would blew my mind, too. I'm like, I mean, okay. I mean, sometimes I get to that point, you know, around here because I live in Texas and even our billboards a lot of times are in Spanish. So, I, you know, <laughs> sometimes it's a it's a valid question, but I wouldn't have thought Chicago. <laughs> and the guy doesn't speak with like a Hispanic accent. It's like an Eastern European one. Which makes sense for Chicago because right. Chicago has a lot of Eastern European people descent moved there. Right. <laughs> Ferris Bueller asks him to take extra special care of the car and hands him some money. I, I'm, I'm sure being Ferris Bueller, it's not like a 20 or a 50. It's like it's like a fiver at most. <laughs> I think it was a fiver. It was like a one or a five. It wasn't much. Yeah, you gave him a five ski. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen this movie before, but I didn't really remember what happened after this point. But I remember thinking to myself, oh, that car. That car <laughs> is in for some fun. <laughs> 
and the attendant tells Cameron to relax. You have nothing to worry about. I'm a professional. Then <laughs> Cameron's like, a professional what? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great line. Great line. <laughs> and he drives it away just out of sight. And crew's like, all right, let's go. Let's go see some sights. And so as soon as they leave the garage and start walking down the street, you see the Ferrari come out of the garage and another guy, and a, uh, the attendant, and another guy jumps in with the attendant in the Ferrari and they just start peeling out and tearing down the street, you know, hooting and hollering. Which, I mean, is what you would do. <laughs> yeah, it's just what you do. <laughs> Ferris Bueller and the gang go about their business. You know, it's just an interesting question. Like, what do you do when you play hooky? You know, I think the majority of people end up just like, you know, hanging out at their house or playing video games or for us, it was going to the beach, right? Because we live near the beach. Oftentimes I went to the theme parks. Well, yeah, I mean, but that was kind of like, I think I ever did that older. (laughs) I think I did that like with the family. (laughs) You know, they're like, we're pulling you out of school and we're going. (laughs) Oh, I did my, like when I was in my senior year of high school, I would go to like SeaWorld or Islands of Adventure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Bruce. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That tracks. That tracks. Solid. (laughs) But the question is, what are these guys going to do with their day off? We'll see. They're in a nice city like Chicago. Chicago. Now we're transported back to the suburbs where we see Ferris Bueller's mom pulling into the driveway in her station wagon. Come to check in on her son. And, of course, she goes upstairs to his room. She's, like, tiptoeing because she doesn't want to wake him up. (laughs) (laughs) And we see his contraption. He's got the tape recorder blasting him snoring. And she opens the door. There's, like, a whole pulley system. The dummy turning over, so it looks like he's turning onto his side. She can't see him. She has a moment where she doesn't necessarily believe that it's him. So she opens the door again. And, again, the dummy, you know, turns to its side. And goes back, but of course, there's the soundtrack of him snoring. And she's like, oh, okay, he must really be there. You're like, wow. Although the dummy's arm is showing. I'm just seeing this now. The dummy's arm is showing. I guess she just didn't pay attention. Yeah, I mean, relatively dark room. (laughs) It's kind of scandal. (laughs) This is just yet another step. At this point, you're not even surprised. Like, oh, yeah, of course he would have done that. Because you've seen all of the stuff he's done before. Elaborate phone setup schemes he's got going. And the... (laughs) all the things that wouldn't work this is certainly not one of them (laughs) right (laughs) yeah him recording himself coughing and and all that beforehand is kind of the setup for this with the snoring and everything so (laughs) the lengths to get out of school then we go back to Chicago. We see the Sears Tower, which at the time that this was filmed was the world's largest tower. And Ferris talk about, hey, you know, this is a great view and everything. And you ever seen a view like this? And Cameron's like, I don't feel good. Let's go. You know, of course, Cameron being the wet blanket. And uh, Ferris Bueller just ignores and goes, hey, guys, do this. And you can see them in the observation tower. There's like two business guys wearing goofy hats. So they're obviously on a business trip, you know, just <laughs> having fun, apparently. That's what you do on business trips. Because they're in suits, but they're wearing these weird, like, bird hats. Yeah. I don't know if I really paid attention enough to realize it, to <laughs> notice that. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe that's something else in Chicago that has bird hats that you get. I don't know. So if you go to the Steers Tower now, it's obviously owned by somebody else. So it's not, not even called the Sears Tower. Oh, so I'm just reading this here. Those two guys, it says, are there for the German Day Parade. Oh, okay. Which Ferris Bueller goes there later for. So they're businessmen. They're in there, you know, to 
go to the parade. Okay, that that makes sense. But yeah, Ferris says, you know, here, try this. And, you know, he stands up on the lower railing and uh, puts his forehead against the glass so they can look down and kind of get a trippy feeling of looking down from the tower. Yeah. And of course, Sloan and and Cameron both do the same thing. Yeah. So if, if you go these days, I don't know if they let you do that, but what they do let they do have is a glass elevator. That you write up with the glass bottom. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, however, it costs like 30 bucks to go to the observation deck. Honestly, that doesn't sound too terrible to me. Yeah, but I opted out. I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm afraid of heights. I don't need this. <laughs> <laughs> and it does a profile shot from underneath looking up at each of these characters, each saying something about what they're seeing. And Cameron's like, oh, it looks so peaceful up here. And Ferris Bueller, it kind of takes a little romanticism out there because, again, you know, dumb boy, you know, high school thing. says anything's peaceful from 1,353 feet. (laughs) Cameron's like, I think I can see my dad. (laughs) He even says that son of a down there somewhere. Yep. And then it goes to a scene of what you think is the stock market, but in Chicago, it's the NASDAQ. I know this because in high school, there was someone in my class whose dad worked at the NASDAQ. Well, I mean, it's still a stock market. It's just not the New York Stock Exchange. It's the NASDAQ. Right, right. You got business guys buying and selling and Cameron mocking them. (laughs) I don't remember what that scene was there for. Like, just they just went to see it or what? Yeah, just to see it. Like, that's one of the things you could do in Chicago is go observe the NASDAQ. They do some commentary on them, right? No. Well, then you have this conversation where Ferris asks Sloan, why don't we get married? Oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, sure. Right. He's like, well, I'm serious. Why not? And she's like, I'm not getting married. And he's like, why not? She's like, well, what are you saying? Think about it. We're still in high school. He's like, well, other than being too young, not having jobs and not wanting to live with our parents. <laughs> He starts listening to things. Why not? Not having a house. Not going to be going to college and possibly not the same college soon. You know, what's I, what's, I don't see any problems. He goes, give me one good reason. And Cameron chimes and goes, I'll give you two reasons. My mother and my father. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> they are married and they hate each other. <laughs> and it's interesting because you have kind of a commentary on... Ferris and Sloan's relationship happening simultaneously with Cameron's relationship with his parents and obviously Cameron's parents relationship being shown on effectively we kind of get a hint that Cameron's parents are both not present and not with each other at the same time but now we get the full force mostly what it shows is high school naivete but we love each other so it'll be perfect why don't we just go do something crazy because there's nothing about this that'll ever change you know (laughs) not having lived with each other a single day of our lives we will live happily ever after because you know we're 17 and 18 and we know everything. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's kind of this day in general <laughs> is what this is all about. Right. It's just whimsy and I'm going to live forever. You know, the general typical high school sort of mindset. So uh, the next thing is the outside of what appears to be like a fancy restaurant. Or at least it's a fancy building, you know, it turns into be a fancy restaurant because of the interior. First, the gang are staying there waiting for the, uh, the Mater D. Yep, it'd be the Mater D because it's fancy. It's not the... Uh, uh, they they have another name for those host station. It's not the hostess <laughs> or the host. It's the Mater D because it's fancy enough. <laughs> The guy that got to play this was really good. He's like the perfect snooty Mater D, snooty big city Nader, Mater D kind of guy. It's, it's great. Just perfect. Very iconic. Because <laughs> I'm going to use that word as much as I possibly can. <laughs> Jonathan Schmock. 
<laughs> so they're standing there and of course the mater d walks up and he's like oh here we go these snotty little kids and this is one of those moments that i thought was a little cringeworthy because they're trying to bluff their way into the restaurant and you know ferris wheeler took a look at the guest list and he's like oh i'm so and so and he hands the guy a dollar he's like we like to get seated right away the guy just throws the, the thing on his desk like eh, like it's diseased like the one dollar bill is gonna give him syphilis <laughs> right ferris wheeler's like yeah i'm so and so and he's like oh you're so and so the sausage king of chicago he's like yeah and he's like is there a problem <laughs> and of course you know this back and forth like you're not who you say you are of course i am he's like just go away go away and and Cameron and Sloan at this point are like, dude, let's get out of here, you know? And like, why, why do we even want to eat here? I don't get it. <laughs> and, and Ferris goes, no. No, I want a table right now. <laughs> and the guy's like, well, if you don't go away, I'm going to call the police. And he goes, yeah, we'll call the police. Uh, you know what? I'll call them myself. Picks up the phone. The guy's like, just put the phone down. And they're back and forth. And Ferris like, you know, you touch me, I yell right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> You're like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. He says, hey, hang the phone up. There's another call coming through. And, and Ferris is like, there's another phone. Go get it somewhere else. <laughs> right. Because Ferris is the one that calls the restaurant. So, yeah, he thinks that there's a second call coming through because he didn't see Ferris ring the phone number. And right. As the guy's walking away, he goes, I weep for the future. <laughs> <laughs> So he leaves and goes to the kitchen to get the phone. So Ferris hands the phone to Sloan. It's like, hey, say you're looking for me, you know. Sloan picks up, but then she describes him as being the same thing Ferris Bueller is wearing. I was like, Mm. <laughs> 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 and so then the next thing they're sitting down to dinner <laughs> or they're sitting down to lunch so i i will say it's interesting because you know in the 1980s if you'd gone into a restaurant like that dressed like them that's exactly what would have happened right you would have been effectively ejected from the building right but nowadays if you go and dress like how they're dressed i think you'd be fine um, there's just been this interesting change in popular wear, I guess. <laughs> the idea that people don't necessarily go to nice restaurants wearing nice clothes. <laughs> it's just funny because being rich is always like concurrent with having a certain style of clothing. And that style of clothing is no longer like dressed up. Uh-huh. That style of clothing now is like a t-shirt and, and jeans or something like that. Maybe a vest from a certain brand. Like what matters is the brand brand not what it actually is (laughs) like and you can spot people who are necessarily rich who are doing things that rich people do normally because they're normally dressed up (laughs) it's sort of like which is just this weird dichotomy we have it's sort of like how um you know, rich people today, they're typically tan and good looking and uh, and they're they're in shape. Right. Because uh-huh. they all have personal trainers and, and whatnot. Uh-huh. That was like completely opposite up until I'm going to say like 30 years ago. <laughs> up until that point, like rich people were typically pale and fat <laughs> because they could afford to like they didn't have to work outside. Poor people work outside, right? Right. That's what makes them tan. So I get to stay inside all the time. So I'm pale. And then, you know, I don't have to do manual labor. So I get fat. <laughs> and that was that was being rich. And nowadays, it's almost the opposite. Manual labor is kind of gone by the wayside. Or a lot of it happens indoors. <laughs> and so you don't get the sunlight. Right. It's just this weird... This is weird. I'm just pointing that out. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Once Sloan describes Ferris and the guy's like, oh, okay. And he goes, let me go see if I can find him. Hangs up, you know, puts it on hold, hangs up. And then he looks at it like, 
Wait a minute. I wonder if... No. So again, the thought crosses the adult's mind that he's getting played, but he doesn't believe it. So then we see Ferris and the gang sitting down at a table, and the maitre d' is like, I'm sorry for the misunderstanding, and I hope you enjoy your meal. Ferris goes, you know, oh yeah, it's fine. It's it, He goes, I appreciate your understanding. And Ferris goes, well, you know, it, it's understanding from people like us that it allows us to tolerate people like you. <laughs> It's just such a great line. (laughs) You know, if you're being a jerk. (laughs) You know, first, like, you did wonderful slow. And and he kind of mocks Cameron. He's like, Cameron, you thought we weren't going to have fun. Shame on you. (laughs) I want to say Cameron got to pretend like he was the police on the phone as well very shortly there. Because when he clicks over to the other number, it's Cameron acting like he's the police. Uh-huh. Because, you know, Ferris said he was calling the police, so <laughs> well, that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're transported back to the high school. It's Jeannie standing in the hallway, and you can hear her thoughts. Get Jeannie's internal monologue. And, yes, Jeannie's <laughs> internal monologue. And she's like, maybe I'm being too harsh on Ferris. Maybe I got it all wrong. You know, after all, I got a card and he got a computer. But then she's like, but still, why should he get whatever he wants? Why should he be able to cut school with no consequences? Why should everything work out for him? So it started out being nice, and then it just quickly spiraled into, you know. It's like the slow, like you're slowly circling, and then you like you hit that point where you know, it's like that penny you let off in that big black hole looking thing, and it slowly <laughs> spirals on the outside for a long time, and then it makes that slight course correction starts going in, and then it degenerates rapidly, <laughs> falls right into the hole. <laughs> All the way, she's it's like, yeah, why should he get what he wants? I I don't get whatever I want. This is crap. Bleep him. Screw him. (laughs) So then he looks into Ferris breaking the fourth wall by talking into the mirror and obviously talking to the audience, saying, you know, I thought my family was weird. It's almost like, you know, he heard what Jeannie was saying. Yes. Breaking the fourth wall in multiple ways. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then he's like, then I saw Cameron's family and how his home life is really twisted. (laughs) Yeah. It said it really bothered him. He's the only. It's the only guy who feels better when he's not okay. Yeah, that he drives himself sick. It's sort of a continuation of his his talk earlier, where like Cameron is always making himself sick with worry. But that's because his home life is kind of a wreck. And he goes, "If I had to live in that house, I would feel sick too." He describes it. He goes, "The house is very beautiful, very cold, kind of like a museum. You're not allowed to touch anything." <laughs> Yeah, he actually says, I'm actually kind of amazed. I got the, got the car out of the garage. And then he talks about the car <laughs> and how just amazingly sweet it is. <laughs> yeah, he says, yeah, it's good because it's easy to deal with his fears. And then, yeah, he goes, it's a dream to drive it. Yeah. So choice. I highly recommend it. Picking one up. <laughs> if you have the chance, I highly recommend picking one up. Which is funny because it's that end of that where he says, yeah, it's good for Cameron. That's like him justifying what he's been doing right. to his friend, which is effectively torture. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he tips the bathroom attendant takes him in walks out and then as soon as he walks out a guy walks out of the stall that you can see from the reflection in the mirror and it's his dad and you're like ooh, <laughs> this would be interesting <laughs> <laughs> so there we go back to the high school so this movie obviously jumps around a bit <laughs> yeah which you know we're used to for the vast majority of movies you know that george lucas makes that we review <laughs> constantly jumping all over the place so this was not a big deal for us to follow <laughs> So we're back at the high school. Jeannie walks into Ed Rooney's outer office and Grace, the secretary, is like, oh, who's bothering you now? (laughs) (laughs) Who did she say? It was one of her teachers that that sent her there. 
they have this back and forth where basically Jeannie calls Grace stupid and, and Grace goes, well, it's none of your business where Ed Rooney is. He's out on personal business. And what's that supposed to mean? Yeah, well, it's personal. <laughs> That's what it means. It means none of your business. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And of course, after that exchange, it's Jeannie the one that's like, oh, that's a nice attitude. Yeah. <laughs> She's very, very much a, yep, yep, you're a teenager. <laughs> you have no view of what you're doing. And Grace is like, isn't your teacher expecting you in class? And Jeannie goes, yeah, probably. <laughs> Walks out. <laughs> and Grace's follow up line is, is classic. It's just one <laughs> <laughs> Just so good. So and you know, you know, teachers or you know, principals or assistants, you know, the people that work in the front office, you know, they do that kind of crap. Oh yeah, <laughs> because plenty of high schoolers are, you know, perfect little. <laughs> so that we're back in front of the restaurant and we see ferris bueller's dad talking with two business guys and we see three people standing in the background and the camera pans up and it's it's ferris bueller and shockler he's like four thousand restaurants in the downtown area and i picked the one my father goes to and camera's like just surrender you know we've had it and we're pinched you know so let's just surrender ferris is like never, never. which is you know the constant play from cameron like let's cheese it <laughs> let's get back let's take the car back what are we doing <laughs> this is nuts <laughs> and ferris is like yeah i know it's fun isn't it <laughs> <laughs> and so ferris puts on this beret like a military beret and sunglasses like he's gonna go to battle like where does he get the beret from it just appears right <laughs> and then of course in almost synchronized Cameron and Sloan both also put on sunglasses. Yep. So it's like the troops falling in line with their general. <laughs> yep. so they suddenly come out and the dad is having some sort of marketing conversation with his clients, I guess, who he's taking out to lunch about needing to spend money. And I love the, the <laughs> like the taxi comes up and they're like, oh, we'll get in while well, he's distracted. And he almost goes in and they back up. And they, it's just this interplay of them trying to get in the cab. <laughs> <laughs> Very old timey comedy. Yes. And then so we see this car, this Dodge pull up and Ed Rooney gets out. He's looking around. So, you know, he's out there looking for first Bueller. So now we've gotten to the point where Ed Rooney has left the school. <laughs> yes. He's left on personal business to go see if he can bust Ferris Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> so. He walks into this. Uh, it's a pizza parlor. And I, I got to say, honestly, I miss pizza parlors like this. I miss places like this. You don't go to them very often. Nowadays, you just have pizza delivered. But there's something to be said about the aesthetic of sitting down in a pizza parlor with a black and white plastic checkered top table. And they bring out the pizza on a big stand on the big silver stand. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, I, or it's either black and white checkered or it's red and white checkered. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's like standard. You never see black and red. But <laughs> And there's always, you know, pictures of Italy somewhere on the wall. And there's always like two or three video game machines kind of in the back. <laughs> and you can see into the kitchen and you're right like i think next time i'm in town we'll go maybe we'll go <laughs> to a couple now i will say though if you if you pay attention from what i could see they live in a chicago suburb and none of the pizza is chicago style i mean that's the thing about like chicago style pizza is even when you're in chicago you have to like go find the chicago style pizza because most pizza joints are still going to serve like normal style pizza. And that's because Chicago style pizza takes a long time to cook mm. because it's it's so thick. It's more like a meat pie with cheese right, on top. Right. <laughs> and pizza already takes a while, right? You go to a pizza joint and order a pizza. It's going to be 15 to 20 minutes before you get your – or more before you get your food. 
add another 10 to 15 on top of that. And so a lot, most, most Chicago pizza joints either do both or they don't even do Chicago style just because it's like a pizza joint. I don't know. And it's funny because a lot of this movie is sort of like, it almost seems like it was written by the uh, Chicago tourism board, (laughs) you know, like come see this and come see that in Chicago. But they don't ever have Chicago-style pizza. So I did think that was kind of weird or funny. Getting back to it, Ed Rooney starts looking around the pizza parlor. And he sees somebody near a video game cabinet. From what you can tell, it's a short-haired person wearing the same kind of jacket, the black and white jacket that Ferris Bueller was wearing. So he starts walking up to him. <laughs> and of course, because he's this kind of pompous, says a phrase in, in French, Le jus sont fait. <laughs> I don't even know what it means, but... <laughs> I think it means what he says next. <laughs> <laughs> the, the game, game is, is up. up. Translation: The game is up. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he says, "Your ass is mine." That's like ooh. And it turns around, and it's a woman. And to me, she looks very much like almost like a Pat Benatar, you know. But apparently, her name's Deborah Montague. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree. Very kind of Pat Benatar looking. And then he's just you know foot and mouth like uh I don't know what to say. And then you see the girl start sipping on her soda, and then she blows it right in his face. <laughs> yeah, which if you had an old man come up behind you and like tap you on the shoulder and say you're is mine <laughs> i think that's a good play <laughs> it is something to be said though because she's obviously of high school age so the question is is why isn't she in school yeah and that's that was something i noticed about almost everybody in the pizza joint number one it's really crowded for like a weekday right and number two yeah like there were a lot of high school age kids hanging out of this pizza joint so yeah why aren't they in school <laughs> like it seems like ed rooney has plenty to do here even without having to try to go after ferris bueller at this point <laughs> so because we pause and i'm using amazon here apparently the french isn't translated the game is up it literally means the bets are made so it's a gambling term okay uh, that makes sense so then uh <laughs> ed rooney walks to the counter of the pizza place and there's a baseball game on on the tv that's in the back and he goes what's the score nothing nothing so he goes who's winning (laughs) (laughs) the guy just looks at him like the bears (laughs) (laughs) as this is happening you see that there's a foul ball that's hit into the stands and who should catch the foul ball but ferris bueller (laughs) right on the tv that edward rudy is not seeing because he's too busy wiping soda off his face (laughs) (laughs) which is a great you know ha ha in your face kind of a moment because you're not paying attention and this is the one thing you wanted to do and you had a golden moment to do it trope right from you know tv or film or whatever so appreciate everybody listening in and remember we do have a website head to the website leave us comments suggestions uh, critiques, criticism, whatever you feel like. And we do have a Patreon. Um, and spread our name on social media if you would. You know, share our podcast. Uh, hi- rate us. Hopefully highly rate us on, on whatever podcast provider you have. And uh, we appreciate all your support. I'm Pat. I'm the fat man. Stay classy. Bum, bum. Oh, yeah. Very iconic movie. Iconic. Trope.
Very iconic. A very common trope. It's so very iconic. Iconic tropes. This is the, the iconic Ferris Bueller's Day Off music. So many iconic scenes. A non-standard trope. It's another trope. Iconic things. It's a trope. Iconic phrases. Most recognized used trope. It's so... I'm going to use the word again. It's so iconic. Like, who says that out loud? Yeah.